Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an absolute treat we have today. Rob Arndt is with us, founder and CEO of Buffer Springs. Rob has just an incredible story. First off, Rob, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Yeah, first time, first time, long time, and you know, glad to be on the show with you, Tony. Appreciate you having me on. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great when we talk to Sixers on the show. I mean, like we're getting, you know, just north of a year here on the podcast. We're proud to have you part of our community. So at Buffer Springs, you do something pretty interesting. When we talk about a buffer spring, right, usually that's in, you know, an M4, M16, if people are still using those in the military, right? A heavier buffer takes much more energy to move rearward than lighter options. Was that part of the name when you thought of like coming up with a company or did I just kind of go in a completely different direction? No, 100%. And, that, and that's by design. So with buffer springs, like I wanted something where a lot of folks that play in our space, it's the same. It's red, white, and blue logos. It's recruit military. It's hire military. It's hire veterans, hero this, hero that. And everything really looks the same. And I set out to be different, but I wanted, you know, as a training and consulting firm, it needed to have that prestige and that kind of you know, that, that like bigger feeling and like buffer Springs just sounded like a nice place that you could take your family on vacation or that you'd buy an investment property in. But to the military folks like us, like, you know, and I'm glad, you know, you put that, that together to us. It's like, it, it's, it's like commonality where a buffer spring, the purpose of it is to, you know, take that round to absorb that recoil and that impact and then use that force to push that round forward. So we keep hitting black, keeps cha- channeling another round into the chamber and keep going down range and that's exactly what we're trying to do for organizations is for years and years and decades and pretty much forever, they've been feeling the impact and trying to create a military effective organization or bring talent in, but they can't do it. So what we do is absorb that impact for them, take that energy and help them get that round back on black so they can keep continuing to bring in great people for the right reasons and calibrate that way. So it kind of has that double entendre where military folks understand what a buffer spring is. Civilians don't yet, and that's our job is to educate and empower them to be able to do that. A lot of times we come across the term military-friendly when it comes to transitioning veterans and organizations looking to hire you know, military expertise and bring that on. What do you see as the difference between military-friendly and military-effective, like you mentioned? Yeah. So, I mean, with military friendly, it's really been a buzzword over the years. And, and one of the joking things that I put out there is I've, I've named Buffer Springs as the number one most civilian friendly company. Now, we'll see if that brings in marketing or makes people want to work with me because it definitely doesn't make veterans want to work with an organization. When you say that you're military friendly, I mean, what does that actually mean? Are you doubling down? Are you actually making an investment in veterans? Or it's like, you know, we're friendly to veterans. We'll say hi to you. We won't spit on you or anything. Like to be military friendly is pretty easy to do. I can simply be military friendly by saying that I am. But to be military effective, you actually have to put your money where your mouth is, take action on the program, have veterans doing great things and growing within the organization and creating that sustainable ecosystem. And that's what we're urging organizations to do. To me over the years and 
you know, don't get me wrong. Patriotism is amazing. Charity is an awesome thing, but those are shitty reasons to hire veterans, especially when we live in a capitalistic society. Like if a person and nobody hires for charity, if you can't take somebody and they can't be a contributor to your business or even in the military, somebody coming into a unit that doesn't do anything or doesn't have a purpose or a mission or a function within there, it's all for naught. And it's, it's, it's at a detriment to the rest of the organization. So what we try to propel organizations to do is really be military effective, find the right veterans that are going to help propel the organization, then create many military communities within that organization where they can grow, thrive, succeed, and bring in other people like them and really capitalize on that military talent pool for the power they bring to the table and not the charitable aspect of the fact that you know, either veterans or heroes or victims, we all need hugs or to be put on some pedestal. It's like we did what we needed in the military for four years, eight years, 20 years, 40 years, whatever. And then we're moving on. We're still trying to do something else and move on to that next juncture in our professional careers. And, you know, we want to take that experience and move it forward, not use it as a dwelling period to look back at what we've done historically. We still have a lot of gas left in the tank and a lot of big shit to do in industry. And we want to do that. And, and I want to be the facilitator for that. I absolutely love that. And you talked about your military experience, right? So let's flip the script real yeah. quick. What are you constantly implementing, let's say on a daily basis from your time in the Marines? So I did 14 years in the Marines, 12 of that was active, two years were, were in the reserves, but about half of my time, you know, I, I was supplying logistics, then I did nuclear biological chemical warfare, then I got flagged for recruiting duty when I came back from Iraq. But you know, I was kicking and screaming. There's probably still claw marks on the ground in Camp Lejeune when I got pulled out of my unit. But, you know, when I looked at it, I actually found my calling and my niche within sales and became a true student of the game of taking somebody from, you know, hunting somebody down and then finally taking them to, you know what, Sarge, this sounds good. Where do I sign and putting people in boots and really found my calling in sales. And, and that's kind of paved the road for me. So it's weird how things happen. But the biggest takeaway from the Marine Corps is just simple Marine Corps problem solving logic. Like if there's a problem there, you either go over it, you go around it, or what I love doing is going through things and not finding an impossible problem. And I still apply that to my regular every day. Like if you can put your will in a way into something like, you know, the things that you can accomplish are, are extraordinary if you just keep yourself in that mindset. So really it's just problem solving. Even my five, you know, strengths finder, my top one is problem solving. I think it's because of that. I just like taking something that somebody said I couldn't do and making it happen. Do you remember the point at when you realized that you thoroughly enjoyed problem solving? Was it becoming a recruiter or was it even before that when you were deployed? Do you remember the instance where you're like, holy shit, I really enjoyed doing this and challenging myself in this way? It's always been that way. Like even as a kid, I like to take things apart and deconstruct things and put them back together and just try to find other ways to do things. It's just, you know, part of it, it's it's what fuels me of just trying to find a better way to do things or trying to create a better mousetrap. And I, I've just always been wired that way. Even, you know, for a while I was obsessed with like personality indexes and, you know, kind of those like cultural like um, assessments and whatnot. And, um, you know, on a Myers-Briggs scale, I'm an INTJ, so I'm an architect. And that just any personality test or anything that I've taken has geared me in that and just kind of confirmed what I already thought I knew about myself, which is always weird because you think you're going to see deviations and all this weird left to right things that you didn't know. But it's just like confirmation, which I thought has been pretty cool throughout the years of keeping steady and, you know, not kind of shifting. But, you know, and that's where I'm at now is helping solve a problem like this. This is a problem. Like companies don't hire veterans the right way. Veterans don't connect the companies the right way. The statistics, I mean, half of veterans, when they transition out, take a job they have no business taking. They're leaving within the first year. 
And then the underemployed veterans, like 50% of veterans are underemployed or in a job that's beneath them or that they could be doing something else that's more fueling. And it leads to, a, you know, it's a microcosm that leads to a lot of other things. And that's really what I'm trying to do is like fix this problem, but from a dual-sided approach. Usually when we see things out there in this industry, it's nonprofits talking about, and don't get me wrong, I love nonprofits, love charity. It's a great thing. But, you know, having veterans out there that, you know, all these veterans are need your help and hugs and it's Sarah McLaughlin, arms of an angel playing and these wounded veterans need you. It's like, that's a small population of our people in our community or the fact that we're all heroes. And you and I have both walked amongst giants and walked with heroes. I mean, you're a combat vet, you're an artillery guy. I was a pope, but like, we've been around amazing people and heroes, but those people never call themselves heroes. They're the last ones to admit it. Like it's just the people that took the military as a stepping stone, took it to do something else and really finding where they're going to align with the right company that understands what they're going to do. And it's a huge problem and it's always been a problem. And I'm on a mission to solve this problem. So without breaking any NDAs or anything like that, can you give us right now today where you are literally solving this problem with a company, you can be as vague as you need to be, but I'm just curious on how you're constantly challenging yourself with this problem set. Yeah, great question. And, and the beauty of it is now I've been in this sector, you know, Buffer Springs is, is relatively new. We came out of the gate swinging in you know January 1st of this year and looking to, to accomplish some great things, but I'm no novice in this. I've been in the military talent acquisition space whether from being in the Marine Corps on recruitment and retention, I've spent the last decade of my civilian career with different organizations helping companies to create veteran initiatives. But it's almost been at like a detriment because they're, it's certain vendors or it's certain channels, but it's not the end-all be-all. So right now, I'm completely industry or company agnostic. I work with a lot of my former counterparts and employers. I also work with a lot of my former competitors and almost enemies and people I've competed with in the space. That way we can reach across the aisle and do things to empower our community and really have a dual-sided approach where I care about the companies that I work with. I also care about the veterans and giving back to my brothers and sisters in the community. So it's great to be in that position. But the organizations that I work with where I don't need to boil the ocean, I don't need to pack a job fair full of 100 different employers and stack up to a numbers game. If I work with five, six, 10 great companies, for me, selection is all about, is this a mission-driven company? Is this something, because veterans are mission-driven people, is this something that I'm working in a cell phone kiosk somewhere, and when I tell somebody what I do, I'm not happy, I'm not proud about it. I rest my head every night wondering if I'm making an actual difference. So my, my angle is to work with organizations that are changing the way the world works or impacting the world in a positive manner and have that place where our brothers and sisters can grow and continue to serve and be a part of something bigger than themselves after rather than just doing a job like I'm trying to find career matches so if you think of the job world in, in career world as almost like the dating game I'm not trying to be tinder I'm not trying to have these individual coffee dates and hookups or whatnot I'm trying to make no shit marriages between great companies and great people on a daily basis so for me I'm industry agnostic I'm size agnostic I'm working with some great companies right now that only have 10 employees total, but they're veteran owned, veteran run, and they get it. I'm also working with worldwide organizations that are making a huge impact on the way the world turns. And I'm subject to that. I'm doing things for the right reasons for the right people. When I uh, originally started Buffer Springs and after looking at my career in retrospect, the thing that I wrote on my board that I, it was the core foundation of this, in, and I have it in quotes and always look at it, it's, I don't want to do things with or for shitty people. And that was the basis of the business. And 
I'm going to stay true to that. And as we continue to grow and expand, none of us that are under the Buffer Springs umbrella are going to do things with or for shitty people that we don't believe in the mission, the cause, or that our people can be great assets and that that organization can be a great asset to our people. Those things don't match up. We can be selective and punt and walk away. And I've actually walked away from more clients and more potential revenue coming at me than I am of accepting things because of that stance. And it's a beautiful place to be in. What would you say are your top three or four criterias that you list out and you're very upfront about knowing who you are and how you handle your business are your like non-negotiables? Yeah, I mean, it's really going to be mission focused that they have to have a mission that's more than just revenue based or creating or, or, you know, selling more widgets or bringing in more money for that organization. Like it has to be making a positive impact on our communities and bringing people together. The other portion is just like the the atmosphere of that or the culture. There's a lot of organizations that go out there and they wave a flag and, you know, we love veterans and, you know, we wave it out there, but what's the substance? What does the veteran population look there? Do they have an infrastructure where there's employee resource groups? Are they have, you know, letting people bring their full selves to work on a daily basis, not just for veterans, but the whole culture of the organization. You know, there's a big focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, which I think is awesome because Diversity was the backbone and one of the things that I love most about the Marine Corps is the fact that we had people from different cultures, creeds, walks of life coming from different parts of the country and coming together. We all wear the same uniform. We all serve the same mission and beautiful things happen. And I I try to look for companies that have that same sort of atmosphere that you can bring your original self of who you are and your strengths, your weaknesses, your you know, your ups and downs and everything else, good, bad, and ugly, and apply that. And that's going to be an asset here and not looked at differently. So that's another thing that I look for. And just upward mobility or lateral mobility, where in the military, you have unlimited things that you can do. I started off in supply, then I did a lap move over to NBC, then I went and got a secondary MOS as a recruiter and got to do cool things. Like people get bored, like the thing in, and I hate these MOS translators and you know, things that are out there that are like, you know, I, anytime I put my name in one of those, it says that I should be like a receptionist in a dental office or something else from being a supply (laughs) guy, you know, but like organizations that can cut through the bullshit, see people from a whole person concept and be able to know, like, this is a person I need on the bus. I don't know what seat that that person should be on the bus, but this is somebody that we need on the bus because of what they bring. And people who have that vision, those are the type of companies and type of individuals that I love working with that see things past what they are on the surface level. Yeah, really focusing, like you said, it's it's that championship mindset, right? It's not, we're looking to just win the game. We're not looking to win a few games. We're looking for everyone to go get the ship together, be successful. And if you outgrow us, that's great. But we want to make sure we do everything in our power to keep you on board and going forward. Yeah. Coming out of the Marine Corps, do you feel staying focused on that purpose-driven mission was really the biggest belief that kind of most improved your life? Because that transition period, can be very rough. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is like, I found my calling early on in my career of of going into sales. And as a student of the game, like I wanted to absorb, like what I love about sales, it's something you'll never perfect. There's no perfect salesperson out there. There's just like, there's no perfect golfer, you know, NFL player, boxer or anything else. Like nobody's flawless at it. And I love that it's a challenge every day, but the motivation has got me like, you know, coming into corporate America, like leaving Marine recruiting duty, like I excelled, I, 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 you know, surpassed mission was a constant contributor and constantly going above and beyond, but I didn't make any extra money. Then I came out and like, it's like, well, you can make commission, you can make additional money, you can have bonuses and everything else. But 
I quickly learned when I first saw that, I'm like, holy shit, I always wanted to get paid extra for something that I'm doing, but like, I didn't know it was a possibility. But then when I started doing it, I started learning more about myself that that wasn't my driver. I'm not fueled by money. It's not the image. It's not the recognition. I don't need to be talked about in social circles or anything else. For me, I'm a conquistador. I need to take that thrill of the hunt, the pursuit and the kill is is what's in it for me. And if I can make an impact in doing that, and even when I was on Marine recruiting, like I put in over a hundred people myself as a recruiter, I'm a centurion recruiter and then ran running my own stations and whatnot. But I always took pride in the fact that it wasn't about filling the quota. It wasn't about knocking down, you know, the mission that was in front of me, but it was about doing that and doing the right things. I never put anybody in the Marine Corps that I wouldn't be more than, you know, that I would smile about sharing a fighting hole with because I was sending those people out to defend my brothers and sisters in the fleet. And I always took pride in that. So I've never done it for the wrong reasons or let money cloud my judgment. It's about doing the right things for the right reasons. And, you know, it's like the profit isn't made from the patient. It's made from the impact that that product or that medication is making at the end of the day. And I've always stayed true to that, but I've had to learn that in a circumvented way. Like you said, you had to learn that, which means you've tried things where it hasn't worked out. Can you talk about a failure that you've had that was just absolutely soul crushing, but ultimately led to where you are today? It's like a narrative, like even in the Marine Corps or around me, like it was always people that had college degrees or was academy grads and whatnot, you know, that were there in I always felt like a failure. I was going to college while, while I was at Camp Lejeune, and then my unit got deployed for OIF. I was in one of the initial waves and the initial deployments over there. And then I never like made my way back to school. And it always felt like a failure to me. Like I got back from Iraq, and then I got flagged for recruiting duty. This is in 2004 to 2012 timeframe, where we were in the middle of a war, recruiting in a wartime environment in the Boston area. We don't have bases here. I mean, this is me calling, making 150 calls a day where people are hanging up on me, calling me a baby killer and never to call their house again. Like it was pretty rough atmosphere up here, but you know, and I always felt like, you know, that, and then as I was transitioning out, I was applying to these jobs and it's like that one requires a bachelor's degree and this one requires a master's degree. So I always thought the fact that my career not allowing me to continue my education was a detriment to me. But if anything, it just fueled me even more that saying, like, I don't need a degree to do this. Out of spite, I'm going to make myself successful, whether I'm, you know, I have a degree, a master's degree or anything else. And I've been doing that. And at this point, like I grew up dirt poor in Erie, Pennsylvania. And, you know, we ate dog food as kids and had no drywall on our walls and everything else. So I took pride in the fact that my work ethic drive and the fact that I just want to help people do the right thing and I will not accept failure and want to keep challenging myself has led me to be a senior executive within companies. It led me to run my own company and just having that willpower. So one of the things that I saw as my greatest, one of my greatest failures or regrets has actually turned into a strength for me or almost a propellant or a fuel to just keep moving forward and even though I'm an uneducated street kid, I still got shit to conquer and that's not going to be an excuse for me. Let's talk about that propellant real quick. As we kind of come to the end of the episode, Rob, how are you better today than yesterday? Every single day. I, I am, again, a student of the game, love sales, have, have learned everything I can in sales. And in the past, as a sales executive, I, I've always went after marketing and said, hey, you need to ship me some leads or you need to create this for me and thinking that their marketing job was easier getting with my, you know, our CFO and saying, I need you to crunch these numbers for me, what our projections would be and everything else and never really understood their world. I just knew that they were a different capacity or a different lane than me. But 
what I've had to do as a business owner now is I've had to deliberately take myself out of my comfort zone and force myself to do these things. I look at sales as like the infantry of any organization that you see the company in a whole different light. You have to sell it a different way. You have, you're out there, you're doing your calls, your rounds down range and all that stuff. But I've always seen marketing as like the air support. And it's like, Oh, you know, they're, you know, the wingers and ground pounders don't really get along or whatever, but I've had to be that and deliberately teach myself how to fly this plane and give myself ground support and deliberately knock myself out of my comfort zone. So I'm wearing multiple hats on a daily basis as a business owner that I never thought I would wear before. And I've been a corporate executive, but I've only heard about their plight and what they do on a daily basis in meetings, but I've never actually done it. And it's given me a new respect. Taking me out of my comfort zone is really like pushing me to be something better and grow outside of what I thought I could be. Now, it's not easy. Every day I have this imposter syndrome and holy shit, what did I get myself into? But a week later, it's like, all right, you know what? That wasn't that bad. I got this. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep uh, progressing. So the deliberate discomfort is a day-to-day thing for me. And I, I don't see it going away anytime soon, but at least I'm not going to get bored. What was the hat that pushed you out of your comfort zone today? I would say like from a technical standpoint, so I'm getting registered to be, you know, um, to go after government contracts and things like that. And the government doesn't make it easy to be registered as a vendor. I've had some pushbacks and back and forth stuff that I've been battling with DLA and trying to get my cage code that finally got in today, submitting for those kind of things. But I've been doing that along with the fact that I've had seven calls today with clients, with potential investors, with potential network partners. I've even had two calls with competitors today to find out like, you don't piss in my Cheerios. I won't piss in yours. What can we do together? Like, so it's been a, uh, you know, on top of doing administrative functions and government red tape stuff that I'm not familiar with, like still being able to do the day to day and be able to juggle that while, you know, having my family in the other room too, and still have to go out and be, you know, dad and, you know, be, be, uh, you know, a good significant other and whatnot. Like, you know, it's, it's a juggle, but it's amazing. Like I'm putting in 16 hour days every day basically for work, but I can't remember the last time that I was so empowered and wanting to like continue to go on. It's, it's like fueling me. And I, I wish I would have done this 10 years ago, but I would have failed miserably because I didn't have the, uh, you know, the know-how that I do now. Taking that exposure from your time before implying it now is extremely powerful. And that's why you have a rocket ship on your back. Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Before we end the episode, though, where can people go to connect with you, learn more about Buffer Springs? Yeah, so there's buffersprings.com, gives you a, a skeleton or the Reader's Digest version of what we do. But really what we do is really customized. If you reach out to me on LinkedIn, it's Rob Arndt, last name is spelled A-R-N-D-T, Alpha, Romeo, November, Delta, Tango. But if you want to connect with me on there, first off, you know, this isn't a sales pitch or anything else. We'd like to find out about your organization, get to know the good, bad, and ugly of what you're trying to do, where your veteran program's been, where you'd like it to be, and really vet out if we can get along and work together or, or whether this is something we could take on. So, you know, if you're a smart company or even, you know, a smart company looking to hire veterans, feel free to reach out to me. and I'd love to have a conversation with you. If you're a veteran, whether you're a business owner, you're trying to get into, into a job, my door is always open. I do a ton of mentoring. My door is always open to fellow veterans, even to just shoot the shit. So doors always open, but connect with me on LinkedIn individually, check us out on Buffer Springs and just watch what we do over the next couple of years. It's kind of a hold my beer moment. Like we have a lot of shit to do and uh, it's going to be, you know, just keep an eye on us. We're going to change some stuff. Rob, thank you so much for sharing your time, your methods, your strategies. All I can say is thank you for having our six brother. Appreciate it. 
You as well. Appreciate what you're doing, Tony. I'll keep listening. And, you know, thank you for what you're doing for our community. I mean, this is what we need and all of us coming together and speaking from a position of power. Like if we don't have our voices, the civilians are going to say who we are and we're veterans and victims and all this other stuff. Like I think doing stuff like this recreates the narrative and I appreciate what you're doing, brother. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Gotcha Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Gotcha Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Gotcha Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.